Part two, chapter two of Basil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wiebke Müller. Basil by Wilkie Collins. Part two, chapter two. The first change that passed over the calm uniformity of the life at North Villa came in this manner one evening on entering the drawing-room i missed mrs sherwin and found to my great disappointment that her husband was apparently settled there for the evening he looked a little flurried and was more restless than usual his first words as we met informed me of an event in which he appeared to take the deepest interest news my dear sir he said mr mannion has come back at least two days before i expected him at first I felt inclined to ask who Mr. Mannion was, and what consequence it could possibly be to me that he had come back. But immediately afterwards I remembered that this Mr. Mannion's name had been mentioned during my first conversation with Mr. Sherwin, and then I recalled to mind the description I had heard of him as confidential clerk, as forty years of age, and as an educated man who had made his information of some use to Margaret in keeping up the knowledge she had acquired at school. I knew no more than this about him, and I felt no curiosity to discover more from Mr. Sherwin. Margaret and I sat down as usual with our books about us. There had been something a little hurried and abrupt in her manner of receiving me when I came in. When we began to read, her attention wandered incessantly. She looked round several times towards the door. Mr. Sherwin walked about the room without intermission, except when he once paused on his restless course to tell me that Mr. Mannion was coming that evening, and that he hoped I should have no objection to be introduced to a person who was quite like one of the family, and well enough read to be sure to please a great reader like me. I asked myself rather impatiently who was this Mr. Mannion, that his arrival at his employer's house should make a sensation. When I whispered something of this to Margaret, she smiled rather uneasily, and said nothing. At last the bell was rung. Margaret started a little at the sound. Mr. Sherwin sat down, composing himself into rather an elaborate attitude. The door opened, and Mr. Mannion came in. Mr. Sherwin received his clerk with the assumed superiority of the master in his words, but his tones and manner flatly contradicted them. Margaret rose hastily, and then as hastily sat down again, while the visitor very respectfully took her hand and made the usual inquiries. After this he was introduced to me, and then Margaret was sent away to summon her mother downstairs. While she was out of the room, there was nothing to distract my attention from Mr. Mannion. I looked at him with a curiosity and interest which I could hardly account for at first. If extraordinary regularity of feature were alone sufficient to make a handsome man, then this confidential clerk of Mr. Sherwin's was assuredly one of the handsomest men I ever beheld. Viewed separately from the head, which was rather large, both in front and behind, his face exhibited throughout an almost perfect symmetry of proportion. His bald forehead was smooth and massive as marble. His high brow and thin eyelids had the firmness and immobility of marble, and seemed as cold. His delicately formed lips, when he was not speaking, closed habitually as changelessly still as if no breath of life ever passed them. There was not a wrinkle or line anywhere on his face but for the baldness in front and the greyness of the hair at the back and sides of his head it would have been impossible for his appearance to have guessed his age even within ten years of what it really was such was his countenance in point of form but in that which is the outward assertion of our immortality in expression it was as i now beheld it an utter void never had i before seen any human face which baffled all inquiry like this 
no mask could have been made expressionless enough to resemble it and yet it looked like a mask it told you nothing of his thoughts when he spoke nothing of his disposition when he was silent his cold grey eyes gave you no help in trying to study him they never varied from the steady straightforward look which was exactly the same for margaret as it was for me for mrs sherwin as for mr sherwin exactly the same whether he spoke or whether he listened whether he talked of indifferent or of important matters who was he what was he his name and calling were poor replies to those questions was he naturally cold and unimpressionable at heart or had some fierce passion some terrible sorrow ravaged the life within him and left it dead for ever after impossible to conjecture there was the impenetrable face before you wholly inexpressive so inexpressive that it did not even look vacant a mystery for your eyes and your mind to dwell on hiding something but whether vice or virtue you could not tell he was dressed as unobtrusively as possible entirely in black and was rather above the middle height his manner was the only part of him that betrayed anything to the observation of others viewed in connection with his station his demeanour unobtrusive though it was proclaimed itself as above his position in the world he had all the quietness and self-possession of a gentleman he maintained his respectful bearing without the slightest appearance of cringing and displayed a decision both in word and action that could never be mistaken for obstinacy or overconfidence before i had been in his company five minutes his manner assured me that he must have descended to the position he now occupied on his introduction to me he bowed without saying anything when he spoke to mr sherwin his voice was as void of expression as his face it was rather low in tone but singularly distinct in utterance he spoke deliberately but with no emphasis on particular words and without hesitation in choosing his terms when mrs sherwin came down i watched her conduct towards him she could not repress a slight nervous shrinking when he approached and placed a chair for her in answering his inquiries after her health she never once looked at him but fixed her eyes all the time on margaret and me with a sad anxious expression wholly indescribable which often recurred to my memory after that day she always looked more or less frightened poor thing in her husband's presence but she seemed positively awestruck before mr mannion in truth my first observation of this so-called clerk at north villa was enough to convince me that he was master there master in his own quiet unobtrusive way that man's character of whatever elements it might be composed was a character that ruled i could not see this in his face or detect it in his words but i could discover it in the looks and manners of his employer and his employer's family as he now sat at the same table with them margaret's eyes avoided his countenance much less frequently than the eyes of her parents but then he rarely looked at her in return rarely looked at her at all except when common courtesy obliged him to do so if any one had told me beforehand that i should suspend my ordinary evening's occupation with my young wife for the sake of observing the very man who had interrupted it and that man only mr sherwin's clerk i should have laughed at the idea yet so it was our books lay neglected on the table neglected by me perhaps by margaret too for mr mannion his conversation on this occasion at least baffled all curiosity as completely as his face i tried to lead him to talk he just answered me and that was all speaking with great respect of manner and phrase very intelligibly but very briefly 
mr sherwin after referring to the business expedition on which he had been absent for the purchase of silks at lyons asked him some question about france and the french which evidently proceeded from the most ludicrous ignorance both of the country and the people mr mannion just set him right and did no more there was not the smallest inflection of sarcasm in his voice not the slightest look of sarcasm in his eye while he spoke when we talked among ourselves he did not join in the conversation but sat quietly waiting until he might be pointedly and personally addressed again at these times a suspicion crossed my mind that he might really be studying my character as i was vainly trying to study his and i often turned suddenly round on him to see whether he was looking at me this was never the case his hard chill grey eyes were not on me and not on margaret they rested most frequently on mrs sherwin who always shrank before them after staying little more than half an hour he rose to go away while mr sherwin was vainly pressing him to remain longer i walked to the round table at the other end of the room on which the book was placed that margaret and i had intended to read during the evening i was standing by the table when he came to take leave of me he just glanced at the volume under my hand and said in tones too low to be heard at the other end of the room i hope my arrival has not interrupted any occupation to-night sir mr sherwin aware of the interest i must feel in whatever concerns the family of an employer whom i have served for years has informed me in confidence a confidence which i know how to respect and preserve of your marriage with his daughter and of the peculiar circumstances under which the marriage has been contracted i may at least venture to congratulate the young lady on a change of life which must procure her happiness having begun already by procuring the increase of her mental resources and pleasures he bowed and pointed to the book on the table i believe mr mannion i said that you have been of great assistance in laying a foundation for the studies to which i presume you refer i endeavoured to make myself useful in that way sir as in all others when my employer desired it he bowed again as he said this and then went out followed by mr sherwin who held a short colloquy with him in the hall what had he said to me only a few civil words spoken in a very respectful manner there had been nothing in his tones nothing in his looks to give any peculiar significance to what he uttered still the moment his back was turned i found myself speculating whether his words contained any hidden meaning trying to recall something in his voice or manner which might guide me in discovering the real sense he attached to what he said it seemed as if the most powerful wits to my curiosity were supplied by my own experience of the impossibility of penetrating beneath the unassailable surface which this man presented to me i questioned margaret about him she could not tell me more than i knew already he had always been very kind and useful he was a clever man and could talk a great deal sometimes when he chose and he had taught her more of foreign languages and foreign literature in a month than she had learned at school in a year while she was telling me this i hardly noticed that she spoke in a very hurried manner and busied herself in arranging the books and work that lay on the table my attention was more closely directed to mrs sherwin to my surprise i saw her eagerly lean forward while margaret was speaking and fix her eyes on her daughter with a look of penetrating scrutiny of which i could never have supposed a person unusually so feeble and unenergetic to be capable i thought of transferring to her my questionings on the subject of mr mannion but at that moment her husband entered the room and i addressed myself for further enlightenment to him aha 
cried mr sherwin rubbing his hands triumphantly i knew mannion would please you i told you so my dear sir if you remember before he came curious-looking person isn't he so curious that i may safely say i never saw a face in the slightest degree resembling his in my life your clerk mr sherwin is a complete walking mystery that i want to solve margaret cannot give me much help i am afraid when you came in i was about to apply to mrs sherwin for a little assistance ah don't do any such thing you will be quite in the wrong box there mrs s is as sulky as a bear whenever mannion and she are in company together considering her behaviour to him i wonder he can be so civil to her as he is what can you tell me about him yourself mr sherwin i can tell you there's not a house of business in london has such a managing man as he is he's my factotum my right hand in short and my left too for the matter of that he understands my ways of doing business and in fact carries things out in first-rate style why he'd be worth his weight in gold only for the knack he has of keeping the young men in the shop in order poor devils they don't know how he does it but there's a particular look of mr mannion's that's as bad as transportation and hanging to them whenever they see it i'll pledge you my word of honour he's never had a day's illness or made a single mistake since he's been with me he's a quiet steady-going regular dragon at his work he is and then so obliging in other things i've only got to say to him here's margaret at home for the holidays or here's margaret a little out of sorts and going to be nursed at home for the half-year what's to be done about keeping up her lessons i can't pay for a governess that lot governesses in school too i've only got to say that and up gets mannion from his books and his fireside at home in the evening which begins to be something you know to a man of his time of life and turns tutor for me gratis and a first-rate tutor too that's what i call having a treasure and yet though he's been with us for years missus says there won't take to him i defy her or anybody else to say why or wherefore do you know how he was employed before he came to you ah now you've hit it that's where you're right in saying he's a mystery what he did before i knew him is more than i can tell a good deal more he came to me with a capital recommendation and security from a gentleman whom i know to be of the highest respectability i had a vacancy in the back office and tried him and found out what he was worth in no time i flatter myself of a knack at that with everybody well before i got used to his curious-looking face and his quiet ways i wanted badly enough to know something about him and who his connections were first i asked his friend who had recommended him the friend wasn't at liberty to answer for anything but his perfect trustworthiness then i asked mannion himself point-blank about it one day he just told me that he had reasons for keeping his family affairs to himself nothing more but you know the way he has with him and damn it he put the stopper on me from that time to this i wasn't going to risk losing the best clerk that ever man had by worrying him about his secrets they didn't interfere with business and didn't interfere with me so i put my curiosity in my pocket i know nothing about him but that he's my right-hand man and the honestest fellow that ever stood in shoes he may be the great mogul himself in disguise for anything i care in short you may be able to find out all about him my dear sir but i can't there does not seem much chance for me mr sherwin after what you've said well i'm not so sure of that plenty of chances here you know you'll see him often enough he lives near and drops in constantly of evenings 
we settle business matters that won't come into business hours in my private snuggery upstairs in fact he's one of the family treat him as such and get anything out of him you can the more the better as far as regards that ah mrs s you may stare ma'am but i say again he's one of the family maybe he'll be my partner some of these days you'll have to get used to him whether you like it or not one more question is he married or single single to be sure regular old bachelor if ever there was one yet during the whole time we had been speaking mrs sherwin had looked at us with far more earnestness and attention than i had ever seen her display before even her languid faculty seemed susceptible of active curiosity on the subject of mr mannion the more so perhaps from her very dislike of him margaret had moved her chair into the background while her father was talking and was apparently little interested in the topic under discussion in the first interval of silence she complained of headache and asked leave to retire to her room after she left us i took my departure for mr sherwin evidently had nothing more to tell me about his clerk that was worth hearing on my way home mr mannion occupied no small share of my thoughts the idea of trying to penetrate the mystery connected with him was an idea that pleased me there was a promise of future excitement in it of no ordinary kind i determined to have a little private conversation with margaret about him and to make her an ally in my new project if there really had been some romance connected with mr mannion's early life if that strange and striking face of his was indeed a sealed book which contained a secret story what a triumph and a pleasure if margaret and i should succeed in discovering it together when i woke the next morning i could hardly believe that this tradesman's clerk had so interested my curiosity that he had actually shared my thoughts with my young wife during the evening before and yet when i next saw him he produced exactly the same impression on me again end of part 2 chapter 2